Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about how the cost to hold an investment property is almost at an all-time low. In fact, it costs about the same in real terms uh, to invest in property today as it does uh, or as it did, I should say, in 1980 or the early 1980s. Um, and mainly that's because uh, lenders over the past couple of weeks have been aggressively cutting uh, fixed interest rates, particularly for investors. They're trying to stimulate that investor business. Uh, now, three and five year fixed rates for an interest only investment loan uh, range between 3.18 and 3.4%. So 3.18 for three years and uh, 3.4 for for five years fixed, which is incredibly low. And um, sometimes we don't realise really with perspective of how low these interest rates are uh, today. So what I did is, and you'll see there's a chart uh, in the blog and a link in the show notes uh, to this podcast. Uh, What I did is I worked out what a median uh, value house would cost to hold at uh, various points in time, well really each year or each quarter between 1980 and and uh, the end of 2019. Uh, and I adjusted for the prevailing interest rate at the time uh, and uh, uh, tax benefits and, and so forth. And you'll see the ch- in the chart that a, a median value house has uh, costed somewhere between ten and thirty thousand dollars a year to hold on an after-tax basis, and the main uh, variant there is obviously interest rates. Now, on current three-year rate, uh, three or five-year fixed rates, an investment property median uh, house uh, in uh, based on the average of Melbourne and, and uh, Sydney uh, costs about seven and a half thousand dollars after-tax to hold. So really considerably, uh, not very much, obviously. Um, if we have a look at the cost to hold a particular asset, if you're not an investor and you sort of want to get a better understanding of the costs, what I did is I had a look through um, some existing, uh, some actual client data uh, based on actual you know, client properties. Um, and I worked out that an $800,000 investment property, an apartment in this case, uh, would cost around about $500 a month uh, to, to retain or to fund the holding costs. And so how I work that out, I assume the property would generate $520 a week or $27,000 years in rental income. And then I um, uh, subtracted the expenses. So body corporate fees, three and a half grand. Uh, council rates, $1,000. Landlord insurance, $400. Managing agent, $2,000. Water rates, $1,000. And I threw a couple of grand in there for sundry expenses. So that's around about $10,000 of expenses, which brings the rental income down to $17,000. If we have a loan for $845,000, which is the $800,000 purchase price plus the stamp duties, at 3.2% is $27,000, gives us a pre-tax loss of $10,000 only. Less some tax benefits, say $4,000, means the after-tax cost is $6,000 a year which I'm sure you agree is really not very much money to hang on to an $800,000 property. 
Now, the kicker is that it's a commonly accepted principle that lower interest rates typically lead to higher asset values. So that is, the value of shares and property tend to rise in a low interest rate environment. And the reason for that is just the, the if the cost of debt is lower, then profits for owners are higher and therefore the asset is worth more. So what I did is I charted the rolling average capital growth rate over a, a rolling 20-year period, um, and I picked the median house, uh, average median house price in Melbourne and Sydney. So it ostensibly just looked at capital growth, and then also charted that over the top of you know what it, what it has cost historically to hold an investment property, and it shows that there is a, a relatively strong trend that when property is cheap to hold that typically those periods are followed by a period of above average capital growth. And so it supports that hypothesis that, or or that commonly accepted economic principle that low rates lead to high capital growth rate. Now the average uh, rolling uh, compounding growth rate over that time period that I looked at is about 7%, but inflation over that period of time has been higher too. Uh, around about two and a half percent. So really, that seven percent is made up of at four and a half percent real growth plus two and a half percent inflation. So if we think that, or we take a view that inflation will be persistently low uh, for the next period of time, and it's around about one and a half percent at the moment, then what we're really looking at is a, a nominal return of say six percent per annum uh, in terms of compounding growth rate. Now that's only looking at the median house price in both Melbourne and Sydney on average. Uh, Remember, if we're applying asset selection fundamentals, what we're trying to do is is invest in investment-grade property, which is quite distinct from just your average median value property. And therefore, as a result of applying that proven sort of formula of uh, buying something that's high land value component, in a sought-after area with some scarcity value that has proven to generate good performance. So if we apply those asset selection principles, then arguably we should be able to generate more than 6% growth. But let's just look at an, a very academic calculation that if we say that uh, $800,000 investment property only costs us $500 a month to hold, and we're going to get 6% growth as a result of holding that a- asset, then in today's dollars, the cash flow cost of holding that asset is about $100,000 in today's dollars, which is really over a 20-year period, which is really only the $500 per month by 20 years uh, discounted back in today's dollars. And the uplift in value, so the capital growth really, over that 20-year period again in today's dollars is $1.3 million. So academically, this calculation is suggesting that if we um, invest $100,000 of cash flow over the next 20 years that will be will potentially generate $1.3 million of capital growth. Now, that sort of return on investment in terms of uh, cash flow contributed, um, it would probably impress almost anyone on planet Earth. Um, now, again, the calculation can be misleading. I'm trying to make a point to say that it's very cheap to hold a property at the moment and it's been more expensive in previous periods of time, uh, and even when it has been expensive, property investment has proven, if done correctly, 
to be a rewarding experience. So if that's true, then it's going to be even more rewarding experience when the cost to hold an asset is lower. Now, I'm not suggesting or promising that if you spend $100,000 of cash flow over the next 20 years, that you'll definitely get $1.3 million of uh, value or equity as a result. Of course, it could, but things could change. You know, Obviously, interest rates aren't going to stay at this level for probably the next 20 years. I mean, they could, but the probability is low. Capital growth rates could change. Um, uh, property could require capital improvement and so on. There's lots of uh, factors that could impact the calculation. And I freely acknowledge that this calculation is just an example. But again, what I'm trying to um, demonstrate is that even if growth rates remain the same, and arguably given population growth and the fact that lower interest rates tend to stimulate capital growth, but even if they stay the same um, and the holding costs stay the same, then you're going to actually achieve a much better return. How much better return? Well, only time will tell because obviously there's a lot of variables moving forward. The thing to be very wary of, though, is that a low interest rate environment can encourage mistakes. So asset mispricing is more likely to occur in a lower interest rate environment because people aren't as diligent about their process for allocating capital. Because it's so cheap, they're happy to enter lots of different investments, which can mean, relating this to the back to the property market, that can mean that good and bad properties over the next period of time experience the same sort of growth. That's not to say, though, that good and bad properties represent the same levels of risk. So really to reduce your, your goal is to really reduce your investment risk without reducing your investment return. That's really what our goal of asset selection and portfolio construction and so forth. That's what we want to do what we want to do. So therefore the best way to avoid bubbles being created as a result of low interest rate, you know, pricing bubbles as a result of low interest rate environment, which is our risk, the best way to mitigate that risk is to level up on quality. Plus, we also must realise that interest rates will increase uh, one day too, and that will have a negative impact or could have a negative impact on asset values. And again, the less of the quality property, the higher the impact, whereas if we've got a fundamentally sound asset, it's likely to be less impacted by higher interest rates in the future. So remember the factors around property, which is the land value component, the scarcity element, and the proven performance. If we've got that from a high quality asset, um, then it's really important, again, particularly in a low interest rate environment, you might get seduced into thinking everything's going up, but that will never be the case uh, forever. So what are you going to do with this information? So I'm not suggesting that you run out and go and buy yourself an investment property because it's absolutely cheap at the moment. Of course not. You've got need to develop your own strategy that suits your own risk profile and your own circumstances. Uh, and implement that strategy without being too distracted by the market or sentiment or those sorts of things. The point I'm trying to make with this podcast is that it's uh, holding costs at all-time low, that interest rates will likely lead, low interest rates will likely lead to higher asset prices, and the improved sentiment in the property market, particularly in the first few weeks of this year, will also probably stimulate some price growth. So if it is in your personal strategy to start investing in property, now could be a perfect time to do it because your starting cost and at least your cost maybe for the next three or five years, depending on um, what uh, interest rate or fixed interest rate you select, 
could be well below um, uh, historical measures. And that just means you've got a lower risk investment because you need less capital growth in the short run to justify the investment. You know, if it's going to cost me $6,000 to hold an $800,000 asset, then I really only need that asset to be worth maybe north of $810,000 and I'm better off. See, you can see that it is a lower risk proposition at the moment. Anyway, maybe take some time to check out some of those charts that I've drawn. They're kind of interesting to look at the longer term trends uh, and uh, might help you see the wood from the trees in, in terms of providing a bit of context to where interest rates are today and what the value of uh, compounding capital growth can do to your asset, uh, asset net asset worth. Okay, guys, that's it for this week. Uh, until next week, bye for now.